Well, good afternoon. It's another great day here on um, Soultful. Welcome to our Girl Chat series. Join us. Hi, and welcome to Soultful. Hello, lovely people today. I hope you're having a great Tuesday. I'm Janet. I'm Nikia. Toya. Toya was laughing. Toya, what was you laughing at? Yo, so that's the new uh, intro. That's the new intro. That's the new intro. I love to to hear what you guys think. I thought it was fun. I like uh, the the voiceover thing Nikia does at the beginning. And um, it's the guys the poom poops. Yeah, that was very nice. It was very nice. Well, today is another edition. Well, another edition of Soul. Today we're having some girl chat. We're just going to be discussing some things that have come up within the last week in regards to entertainment, culture, government. Just and uh, we have a lovely young lady by the name of Courtney Omega will be dropping in um, to possibly give her sense and opinions and um, comments in regards to what we're talking about. But let's start off with what are we working on? Nakia, what you working on this week? I am working on KPIs. I have monthly reports due at work because it's the end of the month. So I'm making sure all the reports are due, um, done and in order for my staff meeting on Monday. Ah, Toya, what you working on? Oh, I was muted. Okay, sorry, guys. All right, so we have an event that we're doing this Friday. So we were kind of collectively working on that, create, you know, at making sure we had the assets, making sure that the um, the live links were set up, and just going over the assets to make sure that we're ready for Friday. Yes. And you, sis? Well. I'm working on a little bit of, uh, well, not a little bit, a whole lot of catch-up because um, I had a client event this weekend that took me out of town, so I didn't return until yesterday. So today I'm playing catch-up with reading emails in addition to working with Soya on the event that we're getting ready for. I was going to tell Houdini to be quiet, but nice. sometimes I notice you let him go. Yes, yes, yes. So our first topic of girl chat so today. I, um, which, go ahead, Toya. I was wondering who took care of, of Birdie while you were gone. Oh, my daughter the water Oh, the daughter came over and did it. That's nice. Yeah, I mean, I because I'm um, like, who who talks to the bird? I mean, are you just leave him there by his own self in the dark. I'm confused. I mean, his blind was open, so he had sunlight during the daytime and dark during the night. And his food was there, and he had his water. And then Katera came over and replenished his water. But yeah, nobody talked to him. I mean, he talks to himself. I mean, he might have been a little lonely because he didn't hear no voices. But yeah, see, there you go. He could, he could. I, okay, I'm just making sure the bird was getting some love while you was out gallivanting. You know, I, you was working while you was out working and 
partying, working. I just making sure the bird was good. I mean, I did gala and I did dance, but I wasn't gala dancing. I saw those Instagram pictures. No, the Instagram pictures. I mean, I saw somebody turned up and turned down, turned over and bent over. I was like, "Wait, is that my sister?" No, it wasn't her. Not it wasn't her, but she was there. No, she was there. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, well, well. Good thing I was there. Just good thing I was there. <laughs> All right. So one of our conversations that we wanted to um, talk about is definitely the change in the Oscars. Oh my God! Who watched the Oscars last night? It, well, I mean, Sunday I did. night. Did anybody? I did. Um, I just read an article that said the um, Oscars were the lowest watched and and rated, which I don't I don't understand because it was actually good. I don't usually watch the Oscars. I usually watch the pre-show so I can see what everybody got on. But other than that, I don't watch. But I mean, Regina King did an excellent job. Laurel Lovell or whatever his name was, Lorel, <laughs> he did a great job of of keeping the audience hype and everything. I thought it was wonderful. They should do that more often. I mean, can we stop watching the Oscars because the Oscars was so white, right? Yes, that is true. I, that is I mean, true. But they have they have tried to do a little better. They have tried to do a little better. Okay. So this year you, we were represented. This year we were represented. Okay. So if you enjoyed it, it must have been well, high because I know you don't play all that kind of stuff. Was it live or was it virtual? It was live. They were there in person. Nice. It was nice. So it was, it was nice. really nice. And then they had Regina. I, I mean, I, I think the the numbers are low because once again, um, people didn't know American that it was going to be. Yeah, they just don't believe in the Oscars for all their years of the way that they treated us. And you know, from and even a couple years back, there was a big argument of. You know, will they ever have a black host? So I think people just are not gravitated to the Oscars like we are with the with the Grammys or what's the other one that gives out awards for things in film? Um, it's on Golden Globes. It but I think they have become a little bit more diverse in culture that you know we watch them but with the oscar we're so prone to knowing that it's truly not for us that we don't get our just due that we just don't watch them right well i hope that they they learn from this experience and that they got positive feedback i haven't seen any of the the comments but i enjoyed it i enjoyed it what was one of your favorite acts um, I like the introduction with, with um Regina King. I liked the part where Laurel asked Blaine Post to do the butt for Spike Lee and she got up and danced. She did the butt. I thought that was cute. Um I thought the little Korean lady um who won the award, her speech was all that and you know it was it was just interesting. I thought it was nice. Nice. You know, Every time I look at Regina King, I always think about Brenda. Yeah, 227. <laughs> you know, yeah, when she started with 227 and she'd be holding her books and come and look at the woman that she's come to be 
just with her directing. And the one thing that I'm I'm loving, because when you think about Brenda, you thought about this child, but do you see how she's become vocal no matter what she hosts or what she participates in? She is very vocal about whatever topic that she yes. has the platform to talk about. And how, yes. how weird that she chose Oscar to speak about her having a son. And when I mean weird, I don't mean weird as in, but she chose to Oscar to speak about her being a black woman with a black son and watching Derek Chauvin get convicted and how that felt. Now, you know, you, you think about the Oscars, you think, yeah, Billy Crystal has, he was kind of more, he would touch the border, but none of the hosts ever went over the border. But to think that she yo, she chose this time to use that to say how she felt, that was magnificent. Yes, I thought so too. Because, I mean, it's such yeah. a hot topic that people don't want to touch it. Well, yeah, and, and, and go ahead, Joya. No, go ahead, sis. Go ahead. You know, and and in some retrospect, I I, I mean, we if we could just touch on that for a few moments. Um, me personally, I don't see what the celebration is all about. However, um, I am glad that he got convicted, but we haven't really won the war. To me, we may have won the battle. But the war is still being fought. And that that is something that I don't get what the big hoopla over it is. And excuse me if you feel like I'm being disrespectful to my culture. No, I'm not. I just want so much more for my culture. And I, and I noticed that this is a slight victory. But I'm more concerned about when we'll be truly victorious. That's where my mind is. Yes. That is true. You know when we'll be victorious, sis? When we go. When we go to Ghana. When we leave. That's when okay. we'll be respected. Do you not agree? What, what do you think You're about right. that? You think, we'll, you think we'll be treated fairly at, at any time, at any place living in this country? You know what? That won't happen. I believe that it will happen. But it will have to happen when we decide to continuously work together. You can't just work on this and then two months go by, something else happens and we don't work. We have to continuously work together. You see how we continuously work together to get Biden into office? We have to continuously work. Everything that comes to us, we have to continuously work together then that's how we will have some victory. But we can't just work on one project and not the other project. And we got to stop thinking that people owe us something. Yes, they have defrauded us for years, but we got to stop thinking that, oh, just because I did this, now you owe me. Th that's like your children. You know how your children will be like, well, you paid for it the last time. Well, I paid because I felt that I wanted to pay. That don't mean I have to pay for it this time. Now, you need to go out there and buy your own books or whatever the situation is. We, we've got to break this sense of entitlement. Yes, we have, have been um, broken. We have been taken from. We have been disrespected. But we got to stop to think that, okay, well, just because Biden is here, he owes us the He don't owe us nothing. 
we got him there with the hopes that he would plant the seeds for better to come. We can't expect him to go in there and do something in four years all for us. Now, if he go in there and he don't do nothing, then we've seen his record. We judge according to the next four years. But you gave him the chance, and that what that is the point of it all for me. I agree. Yo, I think I feel like that um, in order to have change, we, we you have to be we have to be radical. You know, we have to you know. St- I mean, my thing is, I mean, how many more people? How many more children? How many more black children are you know have to be killed? I mean, um, I mean, what I mean. So with all this crazy stuff that's happening, right? We had we're doing you know the demonstrations. We're doing all this stuff. People are talking. I mean, I think that something crazy, crazy has to happen to white people. On almost on a mass, or it has to be a certain, t- you know, for for there to be actually be change, and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like that, you know, I don't, I don't like that, but I just, I don't understand what could be happened to make things change. Like, really, what can happen that hasn't happened? Do you have an opinion on that? Well, I mean, I mean, why people? How do I say this? Because you know, if if you really <clears throat> look at all the mass terrorism that we have, 99% of it is done by white people. You know, if you really, every every shooting mass terrorist from occurred by a white person. However, it's just that white people tend to care more about their individual that they shoot about than they care about us. So, uh, yes, you can say that you know, something drastic has to happen. But something drastic happens to white people all the time. It's just that they choose to handle it differently. Now, when drastic stuff happened to us, African-American, we want to fight. And that's the difference. That's how come our drastic is always made, um, how would you say, unknown. Okay, take, what was that brother's name? The one that shot up the church and they took him to Burger King right at, what was his name? Was his name Dylan? Dylan, Dylan something. Dylan something. Because you knew knew that he was going to be locked away forever, you wanted to comfort him and give him Burger King? But had that been us and said we wanted some Popeyes, we would have probably died not having the Popeyes. They would have would have probably might have drove by the Popeye so we could see the light on or whatever and kept on going and not stop. So you see the their respect and regards for things for them and their children or or their ethnicity is totally different for us. But drastic things happen to their ethnicity. You know, it's a proven fact that most people on welfare are Caucasian. Most people that um are terrorists or, or Caucasian. Look how they reacted to how they broke down and got into the White House. Um, um, I'm, I'm calling it the White House, but it's not the White House, the Capitol. But nothing happened to them. What they, they, they were allowed their freedom of expression or their dishappiness with the vote. But had that been us, the armed, the armed guard, the, the the what's the other one they bring in? Everybody would have been brought in to protect for at least. And, and you know, the funny thing is, our tax dollars would have been paying for it. 
So it, it, it happens to them. It's just how they how they choose to handle things. It's, I think, it's deep when you think about it. I think it, you know, um, you can't change people's mindsets. I mean, it's very difficult to change people's minds and hearts. And, and, and living in different parts of the country, you know, just in the States, you know, living living in the South, I lived in the Midwest, so just living in different places. And um, again, I'm in a, in a rural environment. And when you get to know people, you get to know white people and, and they um, are, are candid and, and feel open to talk to you. You start to, they start to tell about their families and their great grandfathers or their grandmothers and um, how it's that you cannot marry a black man or you do, you know, like, like, like they will be disowned, like, like we're hated, you know? Um, and so I just like, I just like, we get, just dealing with, you have to deal with people's mindsets and like, how do we, how do you change somebody's mindset that, mm-hmm. that is so deep rooted that the, the hatred and just because of the color of your skin. And so that's, that's why I feel like I should just get my money right and just go to Ghana and then I'm good. Ting. (laughs) (laughs) However, I mean, I wonder, you know, because we experience it here, I wonder Mm -hmm. if, if the racism of light skin and dark skin occur over there. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, colorism. I mean, that's colorism, but we don't, we don't hate, I don't hate you. We don't hate each other because we're different colors. We just some think they're better because of their complexion, but we ain't trying to shoot them up, kill you because your color. I hate you because of your color. Yeah, but, but that's that's a valid. Yeah, just what, but what does that, what does that colorism look like in regards to a fight or a battle? I don't know if I'm saying that correctly, but, you know, it's just a thought, but. But, you know, all we can all continue to be genuine who we are as individuals right. and allow to come out. That that's, that's all right. I can say. If if you be genuine to yourself and genuine to others, then that's what will excel. Now, when you be I fake, totally agree. fake, then that's what the problem works. Yeah, I feel like we can all make a difference in our communities with the people that we we're with, you know, no matter what their color or creed. That's how you make there's that's the change when you actually connect with people. But I just feel like that would have to be on such a wide scale done. And, you know, everybody ain't. But anyway, so but I with you, Janet, that is how we can change. Just be ourselves and being loving and kind. And we can do what we can do. And that's what we do. Yeah, I that's, agree. that's all we can do. I mean, yeah. okay, so even taking the conversation of being true to yourself, um, let's go to another topic, Simone okay. Biles and Nike. You know, she left Nike to go to another, Alithis, say that word for me, um, Nikia. Athletica, the, the Athletica. Athletica. She chose being true to herself and, and being a woman and African. Now, remember, this is the same young lady that people made fun of when she first came to the forefront because her hair wasn't properly combed. She didn't look right to be participating. They could have took made her presentation a little better. And she's, you know, she's chosen now to leave Nike, a multi-million dollar company, to go over to this company because she wants to represent something that is more of her brand. So once again, yeah. she is being true herself 
and true to what she wants. Now, yes, oops, I'm sorry. Yes, she's thankful for the journey she had with Nike, but she's done her research and said, oh, this is a better company. This company truly supports me as an athlete, me as an African-American, me as a woman, me as in what I want to do and give to others, me as what I want to mentor young young youth. I mean, what you th- what you all think? Yeah, I thought it was um, weird because it happened like a week after Vanessa Bryant chose to end Kobe's endorsement deal. So it's like, what's going on at Nike? <laughs> you know, Nike is usually the the top of the food chain when it comes to endorsements and tennis shoes. So, I mean, has their er- is their error going to be bygone now? What she said, what's up with Nike? Like, what they doing over there? Y'all work for Nike before? Anybody work for Nike? No, but I love Nike. I do love Nike. I grew up with Nike. My father wouldn't buy nothing but Nike. Like, what? how are they treating folks? Like, come on. Like, why? Yeah, I wonder how they're treating folks. Why won't they make enough shoes and enough sizes and cheering sizes of, of Kobe shoes? Like, what's up? Yeah. Well, they lost it now. So, she's, she's, um, Patented, she's trademarked um some things to do her own brand. That's right, sis. Do that there. And I uh, and if you see Nan- Nan- Nike scrambling, they're trying to make programming and do all these things so they can be inclusive and all that. Yeah. Too late. Well, there, there is again about being true to yourself and true to what what you believe in. And I mean, it, it's. I think these times we are just really seeing what companies are made of and how they are concerned about our dollar, but they also have a disconcern about our dollar. It's definitely something. So now with this new company that she is going to make um, or this trademark or whatever she set up, Will this be under another subsidiary or is this her total brand? It's under Athletica, so it's a different company. No, for uh, Vanessa Bryant too? Oh, no, for Vanessa, it's going to be her her own brand. So she just went ahead and started her own company. Yeah, she started her own company. I wonder what would be the range in cost for her athletic wear, will she be more expensive than Nike or will she be more concerned? I don't think anybody could be more expensive our- than Nike. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody could be more expensive than Nike. Be a, that would be a real test. Well, hello. Welcome, Courtney. How you doing today? Hi, hi, hi. I am very well that's the that's that's the mantra don't go through it glow through it (laughs) that's right glow through it love it awesome awesome (laughs) can y'all hear me okay yes Okay, cool. I can hear okay, you. Cool. It's a little delay on my end, but it might be just on my end. It's a little delay. 
Okay, cool. Okay, nice. All right, so you've seen the conversation thus far, dear sister. We're so glad you're here because I think we're ready to talk about Dr. Umar. Yes, let's talk about Dr. Umar. All right. There he go. So I, I watched the whole interview yesterday on The Breakfast Club, and I thought that his interview was thought-provoking. I don't agree with everything, but it was definitely thought-provoking, and I thought we should discuss it today. So I think I, we're going to I, I talk. definitely am looking forward to because Go ahead. I'm definitely looking forward to this dialogue and discussion because I like to think of you all as being like the the black view. <laughs> and um I was only able to I've only seen highlights from the um the, the uh, conversation or the interview. I'm looking forward to seeing the entire interview. It's just that my daughter's birthday was Saturday, and I know Toya's was Sunday, my sister. Um, so we are still in birthday mode. We There were things that we were supposed to do this weekend that we still have yet to do. So we're still watching movies. Last night we did pizza. So it's like her birthday from Saturday is being drawn out to the rest of April. So um, I haven't had a chance to sit down and watch the uh, interview in its entirety, but but um, I can't wait because I tell you I already have y'all know I'm fasting. I have my uh, my uh, my little pineapple water and stuff drink on chill for that sit down. Um, because definitely uh, Dr. Um has influence over the decade. You know, um, per- uh, personally my life and uh, even with me having some bad dealings with him years ago, I still say that that does not stop me from. Um, advocating and appreciating his efforts and his initiative. But we did have some bad business dealings. I'm going to put that out there. I think that's important to to state, Courtney. Um, And uh, and also, you know, no one's perfect. There's going to be some goods and some bads. And you, you know, you take the good, you know, but you you remember, you know the bad, but you take the good. You know, you can't negate the good was there or is there. Of course. Yeah, I I feel the same way. The crickets with the straight. That's right. The bitter with the sweet. <laughs> That's right. So, um, so Courtney, you you probably are more well versed than any of us on Dr. Umar. So, tell us a little bit about you know what you what you know about him and his position in general. Well, absolutely. Uh, thank you. And and you know, even with me, maybe uh, having a little bit of more of a relationship, so be professionally, um, Dr. Umar. Uh, you know, I want to be clear from my statement. I don't know, know him. <laughs> um, because <laughs> uh, you know, I, when you throw around terms like that, I'll be like, I thought Courtney was abstaining from sex. What you mean? She know, know him. No, I don't know, know him like that. I don't know him biblically. Biblically, y'all know what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, coming from Philadelphia, uh, you know, what's interesting is that I literally started to. Uh, find out more about him literally the the when I moved to South Florida and um, I'm sorry the coconut grows specifically and so I was invited to um come here to hear him speak at a at center in West Palm and so I wanted to research him a little um you know I was like well who is this and like why would they invite me to see this you know it was like an educational forum that's what it was a forum for educators and I was invited to hear him speak, and I was just like, "Well, you know, who is he?" 
So I went and looked them up and I'm like, oh my gosh, from Philly, you know, I'm from Philly and um, started to, you know, that was, that was where my interest in him and his research started. So my first introduction to Dr. Umar was when he had just the website and I believe the Facebook and he was then talking to school for boys and he went very hard uh, against the LBGTQ agenda um, and the uh, emasculation of our men. And that was something that I held very near and dear because of course, with um, being a first time parent to a son, it was refreshing to hear someone speak so boldly about the agenda that targets, um, targets black boys. And it was also something that my biological who share a birthday with uh, Latoya, um, she also told me about. She said, yes, she said, um, y'all know I'm surrounded by Taurus queens, but she told me, don't let my son, don't let King go past fourth grade if I was having him in public school. She always said that. And she, you know, she would tell me this as, as he was a baby. And so, you know, I was like, well, what happens in fourth grade? What happens in fourth grade? And she was just like, oh, no, it's just that at that point, you know, in a public school system, he'll get lost in the cracks. And it's like either you're this or you're this. And that's it. And everything is uh, made. That decision is made by the time uh, black men, nine, 10 years old. She was like, for girls, later. But for those black boys, they have to identify immediately. They're going to be some type of, you know, rambunctious. They, they got to know if they're going to need to, uh, you know, recommend them for medication. They need to be subdued. They need to be, you know, um, they need to be specified. They need to be uh, organized accordingly. They need to know that with these black men because the last thing they want to do is get caught up with a, 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 a black male that is you know, bigger. Okay. That was, that was also another tactic. So it made me very aware of all of these kind of little tactics that were at play in the public school system. So when I got invited to go hear um, Dr. Umar speak, uh, all of this was kind of on my mind and I was researching him and I was like, wow, he's right on with a lot of things that my sister has been saying. And as my sister being a, uh, you know, she was an educator for many years. That was something that was very, um, a very uh that definitely attracted that appealed even more to me because you know she uh, you know very much to her field with and, and here this person saying basically everything that uh she was saying but a male so i went to the i went to the event to hear him speak and um it was a, it was an incredible engagement um, like I said, it was in West Palm, and uh, I approached him afterwards because he had a book out about that time. It was about the war. It was called The War Against Our Black Boys, and so um, I talked with him about his book, and he asked me to organize a speaking event for him in Coconut Grove, where, you know, now, and I said, well, I'm in Coconut Grove, and so he said, well, you know, I've never been there. Can you organize something for, for me there? So I did, and uh, the rest was history. It didn't come to pass, and there was a lot of, you know, inconsistencies that were exposed during that time. But like I said, even though the event did not take place, even though the reasons surrounding why the event did not take place um, were very questionable, 
Um, I still have, you know, followed him in his career, uh, have appreciated his, you know, his initiative for absolutely prioritizing the family structure, even though he has not been practicing that. The fact that he advocates for that and understands and appreciates that in our culture and in our community, that separation of our families uh, is a huge catalyst for other issues, including homelessness, including poverty, including dropout rates. So this all comes from, you know, stems from uh, single parent households. And this is not a, a diss to any single parents as right now, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, um, so not, he has been, if himself, he, he very strongly about the significance of uh, two parent households. And then of course he prioritizes empowering black boys, black men, because without that lead for these two parent households, we again find ourselves in a very dysfunctional state. So that's what I do know of him. Uh, educator, um, psychologist has come under a number of times, unfortunately, again, from people of our, our own info, you know, unfortunately. Um, I have to get his school uh, built as well as open um, and will continue to do so. Like I said, it, uh, it matters not that I've had personal business, uh, you know, um, misdealings with him. I, I do believe that uh, being he is an advocate for not only, uh, not only empowerment, but for our recognizing our uh, our power within community and separating um, the uh, from from what we what we are conditioned to accept. Awesome! Thank you for sh for sharing that, and I have an appreciation too for um for 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 what he brings to the table. It's a different narrative than what is the blanket narrative for for black boys, you know. And um, I appreciate right. uh, I appreciate Correct. that he's a psychologist. I appreciate he has experience in the school system. He's not talking outside of his neck, you know. And you have to um, you know appreciate that. Again, uh, it, it also reminds me that you you cannot put these people on pedestals. It's like we do with preachers and stuff. These are real people living real lives. They don't do the right thing all the time. But that does not negate you know the message God has put in their heart to share. You know, so cool. So, okay, so he do got some character issues, yes, it big, is. I'm a big saying that we cannot do idolatry. Right. No idolatry. That's right, all anybody. That's right, you know, that's right. No idol, you know, absolutely. Yes. We are, we are, um, we're, we're striving, we should be striving for perfection, especially those that are believers. But yeah. at the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, we are still, you know, we, we were born in sin. And so. Nah, we fleshed um, in the mud. You know, we all fall <laughs> short of glory. That's right. <laughs> That's and we right. All short of glory. Some of That's us, right. some of us fall from way, but we all fall short of the glory. That's the truth. We got to help and uplift each other up, not not pull each other down. So, so getting into um, you know the the subject, the matter, Janet. What it is? What it is? What Dr. Umar? 
It was he thinks that Dr. Mr. Biden, President Biden, should um, do an executive order for black folks. Because he's right. done one for the Asians and the and the um, LGBTQ community. So what do y'all think about that? I I thought the executive orders were just um what is the word? Ceremonial. I didn't think they really do anything. So am I wrong? When when he signs an executive order, what does it do? Courtney Omega? Okay. All right. So here's the thing with executive orders. They're only as uh, functional. They are very ceremonial. That's a and that's a great term for them. Uh, their representation of uh, representation are of a of policy. But the thing about executive orders is it's absolute. An executive order is an absolute demand from the president of the United States, right? So as ceremonial as it, it's like saying, "Hey, um, it's like taking a." All right. And here, um, you know, you take a hundred dollar bill and it's like, good. I know what it is. It represents what it represents. You take a hundred dollar bill to Guam. They like, where your, where your cow? Where's, where's these other things that's supposed to go with? Like, where, where's this, what's, what makes it, what makes it substantial? All right. We, as a people, as uh, local bodies of government are as citizens of the U.S. make it substantial. It could be ceremonial and uh, it could be symbolic all it wants, but we make it substantial. And have the president of the United States say that it is an executive order that we are going to be absolutely not allowing certain grants. We're not going to be, uh, I'm not going to be, uh, we're not going to be, we're going to be aware of exclusionary practices that have happened for decades, for centuries, and this is a new standard that we are going to be moving into as a nation in regards to how our Black businesses, Black citizens, and our uh, Black constituents are treated, that means something when it's the president signing that order. It, it is a, to substantiate it. But it's still me. So the fact that but this interest enough to be a, at a, a gym chain when in South Florida, and it was a manager that I had a great relationship with, you know. Um, and he would always give me these pep talks, and he would say, you know what, you know, Courtney, you could be doing so much better if you did this, this, and this. But if you treated, or if you told them you were the manager, right? And I would tell them that only flies in the management approval. You know, like it makes no sense that I'm saying I'm a man without it means something to have the manager title there. You know, so this is where the executive order also falls into play with me. Um, do I think that uh, Joe Biden should create one? Absolutely. But if we are not, if we're not 
committed to substantiating it and backing it up and executing it and making sure that we're not doing business with those that are not, then what good is it anyway? So it's a couple of parts to it. I do believe that Dr. Umar is absolutely right. That was one of the highlights that I saw um, because he actually, uh, what he, what the highlight that I saw, what he, what he made aware or what he drew attention to was the fact that even with it being, like he said, ceremonial <coughs> and public, he still has done something already for the, for this Asian hate, this Asian already. He's, and he's already doing, you know, moving an executive order for the LBGTQ, you know, population. But when it comes to black people, we're, we're still kind of figuring it out. I, I've never understood this. We've been figuring this thing out since we got over here on the boat, haven't we? Since we, since we were mur- kidnapped, we, they'd have been figuring it out. They just can't figure it out. They just can't figure it out. But with these other patients, with these other fix, they're able to say, okay, let's, wait of, let's not wait until all the pieces fall in place. Let's move on these orders because we cannot uh, we cannot stand for the possibility of this out of the outcome. So we're going to get ahead of it. But with us, it always just seems like a real delay. It's always there's a hurry up and wait situation. And I absolutely believe that Dr. Umar is right on target when he says that there is not an interest to do so, not at the level of which we. Irving be respect our, our, that we should respect of, but until we move this agenda, which literally has to happen, as I always say, on your local level, it doesn't matter what's happening on the uh, on the national. If we're pushing on our local, you can't expect for someone to come in. It's like I tell my children all the time: you can never expect for someone to a guest to come in and treat your house better than you treating it. Okay. So we cannot expect for um, anybody put into a position of power to care about our culture, our community, and our, uh, you know, our constituents more than than we than we do. So it really does start at home. No matter what you says, the way it should be written, absolutely. But even if it's put into the point where, even if it is put it put into position, it's us to enact upon. Well, that's empowering. That's right. It's it's us. It's local level. You know, we being so I'm being empowered out there, guys. We can um we can have, evoke change, but we've got to come together, and it starts on the local level. Level, and I totally agree with that, sis. For sure, for sure, for sure. So, Courtney, real quick. I mean, this is your realm. So, what you know, what you do if you're not necessarily political, on the local level, what what can Toya do today, today to to help? We are all political on a local level. I tell people, if you have children, if they are if they are in school or in curriculum, then you're political. You are um you, if you go and you get taxed, it's political. If you've ever called a police officer, law enforcement, you're political. You know. Um, if you live, find out, you know what, you know, uh, one of the, the most powerful things, um, a former, he was my, he was my campaign director when I was in, uh, when I was in Miami, um, he has since moved to Georgia, not here, the state, but the country. And so he is working for 
president of Georgia now. I had him as a campaign manager in Miami. Nice. And he said the best thing anybody, anybody on a local level can do is see what positions are need are are um empty are about to be vacated because you can run for something. And I mean, there's plenty of things. And you know what? In some states, you don't even have to have a law degree to be a judge in some states. So find out if that's your case in your state. You know, could you imagine? Okay, Judge Judge Toya Glenn sounds great to me. You know, you want people say we need we need people in positions that that. But how many of us? You know, talking about how many of us run from jury duty? Of us put ourselves in positions. Um, less than two percent by the by November of this year up, upcoming so November 2021 less than 2% of the population would have ever um, run for office run for office and so when you think about African Americans and that's 2% of the entire nation so when you think about African Americans imagine what that percentage is less than 2% of the nation would have run for office public office so, Janet the kid um, y'all running for something look <laughs> I, I absolutely read that there's a lot of things that are nonpartisan that are open you know and nonpartisan you don't have to declare what party you are because i'm not in a popular i'm not in the popular party i'm not a democrat or republican so um nonpartisan elections you don't even have to have your party declared like i said you might be in you might be in a, a state um or a county rather that you don't even have to have certain, you know, certain criteria that are that people just absolutely think are necessary. I was just stating on another panel uh, last week that uh, I always would love this time of the year because these are the career days, and so I haven't been, so I didn't do, so I have a career day itch this year. I haven't been to any career days this year, but I would love this time of the year because I would be, visit these uh, the middle schools and the high schools and the elementaries and. No matter what level, people always think the question that everybody hand goes up on, I would say, um, do, how many people think you have to have a college degree to run for office? Everybody hands goes up. Like, absolutely. You must, right? You must, right? No, you don't. No, you don't. You know? And in some places, some places you can be as young as 18 and just, and I always say, if you can vote, you can run. If you can vote, you can run. Don't tell me that you're not political. If you vote and you run, if you vote and you're political, if you don't, we are political. Had to that first when I decided to, run. I was going to the meeting and they were handing me all of this literature for you know oh to go and put them doors and go and some doors and I said you know what I'm thinking about running and then everybody get quiet oh so I'm good enough to go and put some be a door knocker and a mailbox stuffer actually that's against the law y'all don't don't go stuffing nobody's mailbox with your with your paraphernalia it has to be mailed okay but you know I'm good enough to hawk people down and give them somebody else's campaign spiel but y'all not going to support me running tell you i was like hmm, that made me sit back and thinking uh you know of course i made a decision to and and put my hat in the ring and run for office but uh yeah that really always would blow my mind well that particular conversation 
meeting and they were told we need to do that. They want to be phone banking. They want to be walking the streets and stuffing. But, you know, I said, I think I'm, you know, I'm considering running for um, a position in Coconut Grove. And it was like, hmm, well, who, who, who's in a position? And I named a couple of names and they were like, oh, they're good people. So, and that's another thing too. You know, we have got to get a, a, get away from this whole only people that have had these positions for years and years are deserving to have them because that's I love that Courtney. Death is undefeated. That's good. That's good. You've got to be, if you're not pouring into the next person, the next generation to put somebody into those seats, you're working, you're working for the power structure and that should be a red flag. So, you know, Unless you're 100% satisfied with the way your school systems are ran, the way traffic's done, the taxes you pay, um, unless you're 100% satisfied, then I say don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about getting a position. Or unless you plan on not, not you know, living in your particular community for an extensive period of time. But if you're raising your children in these communities and you're, you know, uh, you're, you're, you have genuine concern about the community, but you won't even put your name on a ballot. Our conversations are short. <laughs> wow. That's good. That's good. Be about it. Be about it. That's right. Thank you, Courtney. That's awesome. Well, well, that was good. I got it. So guys, where are we? We, we have a little business chat. Is that where we are, Janet? Oh, you're muted. There you are. Yeah. Um, hi. Hi, Courtney. You know, actually, I wanted to um, ask Courtney a question. Um, okay. So do you think, because I was mentioning earlier that I feel that in order for us to really be effective, that we have to collectively work together. We can't work together on Project A and then we're split on project B and C, and then, oh, we're going to come together on pro The one thing about other cultures is if they're united on something, they're united. They're united on A, they're united on B, they're united. They don't split and be as diverse as we are. And do you think that could be a reason why political officials don't really respect us to that regard to say, okay, if I did put in this particular policy, half of them will obey, but half, not necessarily obey, but half of them will consider it. And then the other half be like, uh, okay. And then, so that's why, because if you go to the Asian community, you can go to, and like here in Atlanta, well, you, you, if you go to certain areas, you gonna see an Asian store, an Asian hairdresser, an Asian this, an Asian that. Now, and their stores are respected and treated with accuracy. But for us, you might see, we don't have like one black store or one black hospital, or we don't have anything of our own that define our areas. So what do you think about that in, in retrospect to Dr. Umar? You know, such a great question, Janet. And I gotta be very honest. Um, I tell you, uh, I came to a point, y'all, about, like I said, about three years ago now, I lost, I, I experienced my first ever eviction and hurt so bad because of all, I was holding office 
at this point in time. I have been in office for only about six months, less than a year. Um, so you're telling me that I had enough votes. I had a, almost a thousand dollars worth of votes, right? But um, a thousand, a thousand votes, not a thousand dollars worth, a thousand votes. But I couldn't get up like even ten people to go to the courthouse with me when, because um, I was trying to, in the midst of me. Uh, you know, when I moved in, I was trying to get my home declared historical. And that is actually what, you know, because I was, to, um, they would challenge, for, you know, I was able to challenge the uh, proceedings for almost two years. But, you know, I did end up losing the case because, you know, this, it wasn't something that the owner of the house was bringing forth because the original owners were deceased. Um, but I couldn't get 10 people from the community to come to that courthouse with me. And that really hurt. And so I absolutely, what was that? Somebody say something. Yeah. I, I started looking at community differently. I really did. Before that happened, I was like, oh, I was like, like you said, Janet, I was very um, optimistic. And I was just like, you know what, this, this community, you know, put and you know, I'm community and I'm I'm going to parent-teacher conferences. <laughs> I was doing things like that as 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 elected official. I'm going to parent-teacher conferences. If they wanted me to, you know, organize and put something together, I'm putting it together. Um, I was had a little when they said that they couldn't come to the to the council meetings. You know, I was putting together little bullets and taking it to the people that said that they couldn't come because they were working and this and that. And I was really going that extra mile. And then when I faced that eviction. And, um, you know, really felt, felt very alone. I was just like, you know, I have to start looking at what is best for my immediate tribe. You know, I can't get into another situation where um, I, I, my, my, my children have a problem. And I have this now. God. Um, I still had absolutely great constituents and great uh, colleagues that, um, you know, I was never homeless. I was never homeless. And like I said, um, and I give, I give so much respect to, um, a, a brother that wasn't my skin tone y'all, but, um, absolutely, you know, just, uh, made sure that we had a place that was nothing but a one bedroom until I got, you know, my, 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 um, until I got my, everything back in order, my money back in order to be able to get, um, you know, to move into a place that I desired again in Coconut Grove. But for three months, I was a resident in Overtown, one bedroom. And I tell you, just, he, he just made sure that no harm, you know, ever came. If I needed some, if I needed him to pick up my children from school, because, you know, I would be working at Overtown, living at Overtown, but my children still in school in Coconut Grove. And I'm still repping Coconut Grove. Um, so sometimes we do have to realize that we are so conditioned of a people, unfortunately, y'all, this did not happen overnight, you know, we're such a conditioned people to not help one another, to not, um, to not reach out, to not support. And I saw this happen when COVID started, I literally saw it on my own as there was, I saw the uh, white businesses, Grove, 
they grouping up immediately. Two weeks. Within two weeks of everything supposed to be closing down, they they started, you know, hey, do you want me to start selling your product here? Hey, let's hire this delivery service. Hey, how can I help you with this? Hey, I'm gonna, you know, um, your your you know, you your kids can go here until this fine day because there was no school. So hey, I'll have the kids. We'll do this. We'll do that. They started helping one another. Those black businesses no communication and two of them immediately folded and we have a lot to begin with but i'm talking about two of them immediately fold no communication no wanting to work with one another um just a really really doubtful of this uh, uh this interact and this is a conditioning unfortunately but what i was what happened janet is you know what john mayer has a wonderful song called um say say what you need to say and it says even if your faith is broken and your um and the door your your eyes are closing do it uh do it now with a heart wide open and i mean you know what to trust your tribe to the tribe and to trust again it's it's easier said than done but I always say easiest is done. <laughs> it may be easier done, but it's easier done when it's done. Okay, so if you take, you know, sometimes be busy and that sort of thing, but we have to do it. We just, we have to do it because, um, you know, no man is an island. And even if, like I said, even if it's your own tribe, like I have problems even as Toya can tell you, even with my own blood family, blood sisters, you know, there's issues there but if if something happens i'm i gotta be there because that's who god saw fit for me to be blood with so i can't deny mm-hmm. that so we have got to we've got to have more faith we've got to re we got to be fit to doing just that so you know i have to i have to um uh, you know i i have go back to that. I, I have to revert back to that. I, you know, and I said, I know that it sounds cliche. you got to find a tribe that you, that you tribe with. And like, I know these beautiful ladies, they are. And that's what you got to find your tribe and you got to just commit there. Because the thing of it is that the, the funny thing about children and about youth, they will only do what they see. And if they always see, you know, us not trusting black people and i've heard people say right and it even makes me feel weird to say it people say you know i can't trust no they don't say black people though y'all know what word they use and I, you know, how do you how do you go about everything uh that's what we are you know so what are we teaching but i see i see uh you know, definitely that time has ticked and this conversations y'all excuse me for being long-winded no, well, this this was that's why you're here, sis. You you got something to say on this kind of stuff. We appreciate you. We certainly do. Janet, where we at, sis? All right. Well, we thank you so much for joining us on another edition of Girl Chat. Um, just a few quick things, please, if you haven't already signed up to be a part of our world our VA World Conference. Um, please, um, definitely, definitely. Um, still purchase your tickets. Um, it is you 
They are available um, to purchase um, at the VAWorldConference.com. Um, so don't forget, don't forget, um, that's occurring in just a little over a month. Um, and today, our show was sponsored by, nonetheless, myself and KSS Solutions. Um, we are here to provide assistance in administrative social media management or event logistics to entrepreneurs in the entertainment industry. Um, thank you so much for joining us today. Remember to share, like, and subscribe. And we'll see you next week, Tuesday, on the next edition of Sotaful. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you, Courtney. Bye-bye. Before, before we leave, Janet, if you're interested thank in Janet's services. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Yes. If you're interested in Janet's services, please go to info at kssolutions.net. Or you can call her at 404-403-0969. 69 oh great yeah and oh, one mind. and one more thing we want to share <laughs> shannon um courtney tell us really quick about your show that comes on thursdays absolutely um well the only conversation that this will be conversation is only cafe which y'all know is my food business miss janet you better come and see me on a facebook up there. I, I, just tell them I never got my pineapple Atlanta. juice. I, you have got I've got to. That's right. So come on over. No faith flows. But it flows. <laughs> it flows uh, nonstop on Sundays. It is absolutely our signature beverage, and it is um, it is life in a jar, honey. Life you can sip. I love it. Uh, and it's definitely, uh, of course, our biggest, our our biggest seller. But uh, this Thursday coming up, mycafe.com, we are going to be having our first colored conversation with none other than King Randall from the X for Boys School out of Melbourne, Georgia. I am so excited to have him as a guest and not only have him as a guest, but he will be in the building with 20 of his students for Malcolm which on his birthday, on Malcolm's birthday on May 19th, uh, Wednesday, May 19th at the same location, 2857 Main Street in East Point, Atlanta. And if you have not, have not got your tickets, please do. Uh, Thursday, when King Randall comes, will actually mark the last day that the all-day passes are for sale. We have um, two being raffled off for $5. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's a full-day uh, engagement, conversation, activities for the youth, and, of course, y'all, yummy, yummy, melanate food, all this. So... Um, but this conversation coming up Thursday, very much looking forward to the brother. We have been building for a month, and so this is exciting that he is helping me launch this public conversation located on coloredonlycafe.com. Very, very nice, guys. So make sure you go to coloredonlycafe.com. Thank you, Courtney. All right. So is that it, ladies? There you go, Janet. Hey, Mom. Yeah, that is it. That is it.
All right. Thank you, ladies. See you next week. Bye-bye. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Hi, and welcome to Soul Support.